We're back. It is Pretty Little Grown Men. I'm David Greenwald. I'm Dom Sinicola. It is Friday night, October 27th, 2017. I can't remember the last time we did a podcast. Um, it was like... A, uh, it was like a week after the finale or maybe it was the finale yeah it was the finale the night of the finale of of pretty little liars <laughs> r.i.p we're just referring to it as the finale now. <laughs> uh for so us it was the end the end so we were thinking we would do this is going to be our our last podcast on this feed uh we're going to let it live as a recap podcast and Anyone who wants to come in and check out our recaps of Pretty Little Liars, uh, they'll live here in this feed forever. But we just wanted to kind of check in and say hi to everyone who still has this on your iPhone mm-hmm. uh, or your Android. Also cool. Uh, thank you for hanging out <laughs> with us. Uh, before we get any deeper, if you want to keep up with us uh, on our next projects, which may be podcasts or writing or whatever, we have an email. Mm-hmm. It's Pretty Little Grown Men at gmail.com super simple so you can send us an email and you know we'll let you know when we start our next thing uh you can also follow me on twitter at david e greenwald Uh, dom's on there as well yeah i'm at cynicolad s-i-n-a-c-o-l-a-d and we still have our plgm podcast twitter i don't know if we'll do anything with that but that's there i mean uh basically we just uh get pissed off about the show or it's mostly me (laughs) i just get pissed off about the show all the time (laughs) a tweet once every couple months yeah (laughs) yeah that's true uh so this i think will be our last our last pod here if we do end up starting a new uh collab podcast on something we'll probably drop back in and do like a little just two minute episode to to say that but you know so that you don't have to leave this podcast on your feed forever waiting and waiting for us to do something new uh this is gonna be it this is our extremely anticlimactic last episode yes yes we did not have any deeper thoughts on Um, the finale i think we just said everything we needed to you know what my deeper thought is um i I don't uh, we could talk forever about what i'm about to say but i I just want to say it which is three hours to go yeah (laughs) which is that i just want to let go of this show i just Mm want to be done with it um we wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming spinoff the perfectionists um but i only want to talk about it to the extent that i kind of don't care Mm -hmm. and i just i think that doing this podcast um helped me reflect on a lot of things as far as the way that i consume uh cultural media that Mm -hmm. I care about and there was a time when I really really cared about Pretty Little Liars and then there was a time when I didn't but I cared about this podcast right and so I kept watching it and since both of those things are gone which is the podcast that forces me to care about it and the thing that I actually care about I no longer care about Pretty Little Liars or the universe right and I want to move on the Pretty Little Liars cinematic universe, if you will. The Rose, what do they even refer to it as? The yeah, Rose Woodoverse. It, yeah, it, I don't <laughs> know. If it, I don't know if it has a name. That's really funny to think about. I guess what is intriguing to me, and I don't, you know, I probably won't end up watching it either. But what is intriguing to me about the spinoff is it's Allie and Mona. And first of all, 
Mona is the most exciting character on the show to me. Mm-hmm. She wins the game. What could possibly be, you know, what could she possibly do in a new show? That's interesting. Uh, but then Allie and Emily, as Emerson, have this whole new life. So how is Allie going to be on the show and not Emily unless, like, either they break up or there's some tragic thing or, you know, I just don't see the sort of obvious, you know, nothing has been released about like, oh, here's what explains how they went from PLL onto this new show mm-hmm. and where they live in this new universe where they're going to introduce new main characters and so on. I, I would imagine that the the name of the show implies that, I mean, the word perfectionist is probably supposed to apply to both of them, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, but what I was just thinking about is, um, I mean, Mona's a perfectionist, I guess. Mona's this genius, uh, you know, playing 12-dimensional chess or whatever with everything. What, I don't remember, um, Allison really, like, expressing this, like, deep level of genius post her return to Rosewood. Right, or or just, like, a, the a drive you know, and an ambition level of being a perfectionist, which is something I would associate a lot more with Spencer. Yeah. And in fact, I don't think that, um, Allie became after she returned and, and she, uh, you know, it was proven that she wasn't a anymore after the whole like mid mid season, uh, Allie and her henchmen subplot, um, that they pretty much just abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, Allie became a victim, and she was a victim from that point until pretty much the end of the series. Um, I don't feel like... She, I mean, is is the point of the this spinoff to sort of, um, I don't know, uh, rejuvenate her more active tendencies? I, I don't think they... I don't think that's... I don't think there's like a, a thematic motivation in doing this, I think it was probably they wanted to do a spinoff. They wanted to bring some of the actresses over. This is who was available. Why bring, why bring Allie back? You know, I mean, because if, she if signed up really... for it. Because maybe she signed up for it. You know, because they could get her on no a contract. Wanted to keep doing it. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's a good question, but you know, I just don't feel like the creators of the show have, you know, earned my next twenty hours or 40 hours or, or whatever it becomes. So I am happy to let this go. And if the reviews come out after a few episodes and people are like, Oh, this is really great. Then maybe I'll consider it. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm happy to let this, let this show be what it was. And I enjoyed a lot of it. And, and there was a lot of great writing and directing and acting. And I'm happy with, uh, I'm happy to move on from the PLL verse. I wonder, um, I kind of wanted to, as briefly as possible, interrogate this idea of letting go because I I find it really hard to believe that people are excited about this because or about this, the about spinoff per- perfectionist. Yeah, I mean, for a number of very clear reasons, uh, off the top of my head, one, um, Ravenswood sucked. Two, um, the quality of the show. It became a completely different show over the course of its its runtime. So I can't believe that people are like hungering for this show that was was a different show because of how long it was on the air. Right. So it's sort of like 
do you really want that again? Because I feel like you're sort of in, in, in inviting disappointment, but also at the same time, I just think it's so, I think it's just a natural inclination in people to not want to let things go, to keep wanting more things. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the, the, the laws of, of pop culture dictate that you're going to get diminishing returns. And to me, it seems so clear that Pretty Little Liars needed, needed to end. Right. Well, and something like, you know, the X-Files, which came back for this limited mm-hmm. run series. Uh, was that last year? Uh, that was, yeah, yes. No, nah, maybe it was two years ago. Well, no, I guess no. It was. It was. Yeah, I guess it was last winter. Who can remember? Uh, but it came back for this limited run. <laughs> you know, after I mean, this is a show that was on TV. I think for eleven seasons, they made like two different movies. Uh, Duchovny was out of the it's show. 2015, 16. Sorry. Then he came back, winter, yeah. and so you had this show that sort of had been around for a long time, and they brought back you know uh, the two leads mm-hmm. to do their thing again, and that was like a totally botched comeback because you really had only had two episodes that were the beginning first and last episode which were telling this sort of uh larger mm-hmm. conspiracy story everything else was a single episode some were good some were whatever but the two conspiracy episodes were really bad yep. and reset the whole thing the two conspiracy episodes were directed and written by the creator of the series right and they were and the weakest yeah they were there mm. it was like why did you come back and do do only these two episodes versus putting it throughout the show or having it be like a longer story. And so now they're, that's going to come back again. And it's like, it's it's going to be longer. It's going to be something like 10 or 12 episodes. Well, that's good. Maybe. And it's like, it becomes a question of how worth it to you. Is it to live in this creative world with these characters who you like and their chemistry and the sort of sci-fi environment versus you know, the diminishing returns of the writing and the plot and the way it sort of tangled itself into this big mess, which is just clearly not as good as what it was, you know, 20 years ago or whenever right. it was peaking. I mean, you could, you could ask the same question of, uh, of Game of Thrones on a, the TV show Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, which are, I think, by last report, there were five spinoffs in development. Right. Now, I mean... That's ludicrous. That's like, you know, asking why James Cameron has to have four Avatar sequels. Right. Um, I think for James Cameron, I mean, God knows what James Cameron is thinking. I can't imagine he's got four stories cooked up that people are actually going to give a shit about. But who knows? I mean, he's he's James Cameron, and the success he's seen is inhuman. But um, I, I also... Um, wonder how how far are fans willing to go before they admit that it's just not what it used to be, um, and how long how long are fans willing to pretend that the reason these things don't exist is because these networks these uh, corporations are only thinking about money? Right, right. Well, here's here's the way I think about it. Um, if you are a creator and you have built this world or if you are an actor playing one of these characters or whatever, uh, and these dynamics exist and you've, you've really invested a lot of your time and your brain into making this thing exist. Mm. Um, 
you know, that's not easy to do. And so I understand from the creative perspective, you know, or if it was a musician who it's like, listen, I make beats on this software or I play guitar and this is just what I do. This is my thing. Like someone like Ryan Adams who plays the same, you know, really the same three or four chords on every song. And he just has hundreds and hundreds of, of revisions of the same three or four kinds of songs, you know? And so I think it is absolutely the right of a creative person to say, this is what I do. I'm just going to put my head down and live in this world or work in this way or whatever. Um, so I don't get mad at someone like James Cameron saying, I'm going to make four Avatar movies uh, because, you know, whatever, dude, do your thing. <clears throat> yeah. But I, I do think, you know, it, it does reach a level of uh, indulgence. Right. And I, I think that, too, that what you have to do. And I mean, we had this conversation the other night about Destroyer, where it's sort of like asking Destroyer not to make an album like Ken is asking Destroyer not to be Destroyer. Right. Which... At some point, you're just like, okay, I like him for what he is, um, but I do think that at, that especially with with something like The Perfectionists, something like Game of Thrones, um, the creators have for so long existed within this world that you have to imagine that they're they could gain more from uh, listening to what their audience wants. And if the audience is telling them they, that they want something new out of them, then maybe that's the kind of creative push that they need. Like maybe I'm Arlene King needs to just fucking stop with the pretty little liars. Mm -hmm. Maybe George R. R. Martin needs to just let it go. Uh, maybe but, HBO needs to let it but go, but they there won't. Are, there but are I mean, so many cases, you know, there are so many cases where somebody has success with one thing and it's beloved and so on. And then they go on and try to launch some new thing Yeah, and it doesn't work. You know, and it's I think, fine. I, I mean, think the, the fields where people, it seems like are able to have the most ideas and do the most dramatic changes might be in comic books where you have yeah. writers routinely jumping from character to character and maybe they'll write it for a few years or, or do mm -hmm. it for six issues or whatever. Um, but you know, I mean, sort of the classic example of that would be Stanley and, and Jack Kirby and yeah. Steve Ditko and the other, you know, Marvel creators of the sixties who just like were endlessly creative and came up with all these different characters and origin stories and, and worlds, you know, uh, or, or this giant world that they could all live in. And so I think you see that a lot with comic writers where someone can have a really long career and be writing good things for years and, and seemingly not lose the level of inspiration. Uh, and I think you see it in music where, you know, artists can have 30 years of, of good music and there's going to be peaks and valleys and certainly the, work that somebody does in their fifties and sixties is going to be different than they made in their twenties. But mm -hmm. you know, there's a level of craft, uh, and performance that, that somebody has at that point that at least you're going to at, at bare minimum have good playing, right. have good singing, et right, cetera. Right. But I think with making TV, uh, or making movies, you know, that doesn't necessarily carry through as well because the plot is just so important. And if you lose sight of, what makes good writing or what tells a what a good story looks like. And I don't understand how people lose the thread of what makes a good story work. Uh, but somehow they do. And I, I do think that you have certain people who kind of run out of creative juice, you know, and you kind of tell all the stories or you have all the ideas or all the songs that you needed to, and then you can be fallow for a long time. Mm -hmm. And some people come back and have this great second wind and, 
you know, can continue. But, um, I do think there are people who are super inspired and productive forever and people who kind of just run out of gas. And I don't know what, you know, what makes that happen. Uh, but it seems pretty clear with someone like Cameron or this X-Files thing or whatever, where it's just like, these were just sort of, you know, I mean, most people would agree probably that these are bad ideas, that mm-hmm. Pretty Little Liars became a, a big mess, that this mm-hmm. last season of The X-Files was not very good, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, uh, I guess the question becomes as fans, how much do you trust this person? How much do you want to live in this world regardless of what, you know, degradation of the world you want to yeah. live in? And the same thing with musicians too, <clears throat> because someone like Ryan, I'm going to listen to every album he does forever. Right. Uh, Ryan Adams and I think his his quality level is consistently high maybe one album is a B plus maybe the next one's an A Mm -hmm. you know but I don't think he ever puts out anything bad whereas I I think a lot of people would listen to it and be like oh I don't need to listen to 300 versions of this you know so so much of it comes down to taste and what you're sort of looking for in the in the product also yeah and I guess it also comes down to saturation as well I I I, I think that um, there's two things one is uh, I think that if you're considering um, the difference that I'd say between like the X-Files uh, new season and like Twin Peaks new season, even like Blade Runner 2049, the difference between those, uh, which I think have uh, very high highs. I mean, I haven't seen the new Twin Peaks, but you have. Yeah. Uh, no, it's very impressive. Yeah. The very high highs um, and something like The Perfectionists, which I... I don't have any high expectations for is time because, um, I mean, little liars go away for 20 years and then come back Mm -hmm. and, and, and figure and figure out what kind of story you can tell 20 years later. And I think that some like not all of the old X files or the most recent X files season is bad, uh, which you said, but, um, some of it is very bad. Some of it is very good. Mm hmm. Um, the stuff of, about it is very good are the things are the episodes where they're simply trying to figure out what Mulder and Scully are like 20 years later, as opposed to like trying to weave back in this huge mythology. It's just sort of like, let's spend time with these characters as they are 20 years later. Let's figure out what the story is surrounding them. Um, uh, the same thing about Blade, Blade Runner 2049, which... I liked very, very much. And I think it's just sort of like how giving that, giving that amount of time, both in the story and outside of the story, uh, gives you a, a, a creative challenge that I don't think something like the perfectionist would, would have the other side of, or the other point that I wanted to make was I think that by actively letting things go on our, on, on our parts as, as viewers, um, I would like to hope sends a message. It'll never happen because too many people are clamoring for just that quick fix. Like the perfectionist will probably be a relatively successful TV show unless it's as bad as Ravenswood. But these characters are more beloved than Caleb and his dead girlfriend. Um, I, I think that if we show corporations that or studios networks that we don't want this rehashed stuff that's the kind of media landscape i want to live in Mm -hmm. um you encourage makers to make 
as opposed to rehash or or you know microwave um and this is obviously cynical it's both cynical and incredibly idealistic to think that this is even remotely possible because it's not but i choose not to watch the perfectionists i choose to not continue this podcast and talk about the books or or rewatch episodes that we didn't cover i want to put this behind me because i want to make it clear that i'm done with this show and right. i and I'm not happy with the way that it ended, and I'm not happy with the way that it will continue. Right. And you don't want to just continue accepting the substandard product because it comes out under the banner of Pretty Little Liars. I wish that everybody involved in Pretty Little Liars at its best would do something new. They can go and do something new together. They're obviously a good team. Like f- f- season four Pretty Little Liars, that team right there, go make something new. Mm-hmm. You know? Instead of just like trying to rekindle that old spark well and it just comes with way. especially a show that's as you know as plot driven as Pretty Little liars mm-hmm. it just comes with so much baggage from years of serialization and plot twists and so on and you know trying to make all those puzzle pieces fit together on a new show you know like i said i just don't see what you could do to set that up in a way that will be satisfying to the previous mythology. Right. You know, and I think that's the problem with a lot of this stuff. And it's why comic books to look at like the most serialized thing ever, you know, it's why they reboot everything every few years because Mm -hmm. it's like, it just becomes too much baggage. And I think comic books, you know, lean more toward over rebooting in order to give creators more ability to do fresh things every year or two years or whatever. And to try to reach new readers as opposed to sort of continuing on and building a bigger thing. So, you know, it's like, there's no one system. There's no one way to approach sort of living in a creative world. But, you know, I'm, I'm as like a fan of superhero movies and comics and so on and things like Star Trek, you know, I, I'm happy to see new things come out in these worlds and I, I don't need something. I'm not looking necessarily for as many fresh new ideas. I'm happy to go watch another star Wars movie. I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that, but you know, it does mean you, you should be trying to reach some kind of standard. And what is scary about going to see these movies is if you're going to go see something new, you don't have those expectations. Whereas if you're watching season seven of pretty little liars, you know, one of the reasons we felt so burned by it is we saw how good it could be. And we saw how smart and how great these characters were and so on. And so for it to slip off of that is really painful. Yeah. And to go see, you know, if we saw a new Star Wars movie that wasn't very good, uh, you know, that would that would feel really bad because you're going in expecting a certain grade of experience. And one reason to go see, it's like a double-edged sword for a new creative property because you don't have the expectations. So it can sort of live in its own you know, mm-hmm. uh, critical and receptive space, but it also means that you don't necessarily have the interest in it that you might have in something tied to one of the other properties. You just made me think of something uh, by bringing up Star Wars. So, um, I think, I think that, <laughs> I think that, um, one of the things that really, really, really bothers me about, uh, JJ Abrams signing on for the third movie uh is that i don't i i like the idea of of new creative minds exploring these worlds that are already established and so i don't like the idea that jj abrams is coming back 
he made he'd explored the world in his own way and he should be done and they should find a new director oh see i'm really happy that jj's coming back because i know that he won't fuck it up which yeah i'm not i'm not pissed off about it i know i'll go see the movie and i'm so glad it's not colin trevorrow anymore but um i really wish that they would have found someone new Mm -hmm. i like the idea that um well, I did like the idea that every new Mission Impossible was directed by somebody new. Uh, that's not the case anymore because they're bringing back um, what's his face for the the, the sixth one. But uh, <coughs> excuse me, I don't like when Marvel movies are directed by the same person who directed them before. I want these new visions for the for the same world. That to me is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm disappointed every time that they name someone, or the, like the guy who directed uh, Ant-Man. He's coming back and directing uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. Um, See, I like I like that consistency because I feel I can go into it feeling I like this last movie. It was directed by this person. This next one will probably be more of all that stuff I like. But that's the challenge, though, isn't it? Is like, as a, I I like watching. Uh, creative minds, especially in movies, uh, attempt to both capture the the personality and the tone and the world as was intended by its creator, but to give a new perspective. I like consistency, and I think that like when you're talking about a uh, a person who's who's like directing movies in this own world that he or she has created, that um, they're going to do sequels in that world. Uh, but when you have the, like the Marvel universe, Star Wars universe, Star Trek universe, um, they're too big for the creator. And so I feel like you need to bring in these different voices in order to explore it in the way that they should be explored, I guess. Right. Um, I also find that exciting. I just find that exciting as, as a, as a consumer of these franchises. Like if we're going to have these franchises, let's get some new Let's get voices in there, uh, all these different voices and perspectives. And like, it's like Michael Bay, stop directing Transformers. If you're going to make another Transformers, just have somebody else direct it. Right. Do something. Or but, stop directing them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> stop no, making those movies. No, it's, Michael Bay, stop it's, it. It's, it's interesting to think about, and especially in terms of like what's going to make the most money and you know, a lot of these decisions, especially with the directors, I think Marvel does tend to bring in a lot of new cheap directors mm-hmm. uh, or new new indie type directors. And they've done that in part because they can probably pay them less than if you got JJ Abrams mm-hmm. or you can give them a little bit more of the house, the Marvel house style than someone like a Spielberg or whoever, who's going to want to come in and like have it be their auteuristic vision, yeah. you know? So there are all these sort of like financial factors and, and creative factors Um and it's it's interesting to think about, but you know, I definitely am more bought into the Marvel world and in just being like, I'm going to go see every one of these movies forever because mm-hmm. I like the way Marvel Studios makes these movies, uh, and some of them are better than others, but I enjoy all of them. Yeah, uh, you know, versus like Pretty Little Liars, where clearly this was like uh, a production and a, a team creating this you know experience that uh, stopped being able to do it in ways that 
were what I wanted. Yeah. You know, so it's, I don't know. It's just interesting to me to sort of see when something runs out of gas and then to think about it as the consumer, like how long are you going to tolerate it? And I'm really relieved that pretty little liars gave us the stopping point and to be able to say, I'm not going to watch this new franchise because I, uh, you know, they, they haven't earned that for me. Yeah. I, and to just cap off my wandering around, I feel like I'm trying to, use logic to define why I don't want to watch the pretty little liars verse anymore, the Mm -hmm. Rosewood verse. And as I'm stupidly spitting out words, I am realizing there is no logic to it. It's just a personal preference where I want to fully embrace and accept the fact that I just don't want to move on it or I want to move on and I don't want to move on with, but no but you're saying like you're interested in newness you're interested in different perspectives you know you're interested i didn't feel like pretty little liars had that right at all and i I don't think it's going to with this new show right um i don't know who i don't know if uh marlene's gonna be the showrunner i have a feeling that she will i don't think she'd do anything else yeah Um, i think she is but i we would have to go and and look it up do some research yeah but we'll never know because we're not gonna watch it yep um I know that we were, we promised to keep this short. Well, we, why don't we just talk a little bit about uh, what we've been mm-hmm. up to lately? Uh, so my little baby daughter is just about sixteen months old, and she's saying words and uh, crawling around and doing good baby stuff. So that's <laughs> been really exciting. Uh, I'm trying to sell a book deal or trying to get a book deal. I'm trying to sell a proposal about. Uh, the music business and music discovery and piracy in the 2000s. So I'm making, set that out to some agents and just kind of waiting to see what the feedback will be mm-hmm. on that. Uh, I read the first chapter. It's very good. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, not much has really uh, changed on my end besides just working all the time. I mean, I work at a day job uh, doing uh, not very interesting things. And then I also am continuing to, uh, be an editor at paste. Um, so I've just been going and seeing a lot of movies. Uh, we're going to go see Thor Ragnarok on Monday. Can't wait. Yeah, I know. I'm really excited for it. Uh, and then we're going to go see justice league in a few weeks. Um, uh, I just saw suburbicon, which is really bad. That's George Clooney's new movie. Oh, okay. That's really bad. Um, and you're going to be doing, uh, you're doing a an interview, or you're doing a oh yeah moderating an event. Yeah, so um, Portland. Uh, if people wouldn't be surprised by the the fact that Portland's uh, movie scene is very small, and so it's not hard to make connections if you want to do things like what I'm going to be doing, which is um, I'm moderating a conversation, which is just going to be me and and this author John Raymond at the Northwest Film Center. Portland uh, has uh, a book convention called Wordstock, which is very fun, uh, every, well, every October, November. Um, and so the Northwest Film Center does, uh, collaborates with Wordstock, and so they have authors come in, and they show a movie on 35 millimeter that they've picked out, and so this author, John Raymond, who's written a few books, and he also uh, was the screenwriter and co-screenwriter of a bunch of Kelly Reichardt movies. So Old Joy, Wendy and Lucy, Meek's Cut Off. Um, he co-wrote uh, the Mildred Pierce uh, miniseries on HBO with Todd Haynes. 
Um, so he's coming into town, and I'm going to talk to him, and we're going to watch the Decameron, which is a pure Paolo Pasolini movie. Uh, and how can people come? What day is this? This is on November 10th. <laughs> so if you live in Portland and you listen to this, and any of that sounds appealing to you, you should come out to that. It'll be uh, cool if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I'm also I was also asked to introduce the room. Uh, at a showing at Cinema 21, but I it's not listed on the website, so I'm not. Sh- it might be like a private viewing. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But they basically said, uh, "Will you introduce the room?" That's awesome. And to show people, like, they're like introduce that people are supposed to participate with the room. Yes, you have to teach them about the spoons. Right, spoons and all the things that you yell. Um, it's a there's a lot of stuff. If if you've ever seen the room live, it's really fun. But there's like a whole script that you you can follow along, and it's, people are. It's just, like Rocky Horror now. It's like Rocky Horror exactly, um, and uh, and so I think that the, they're probably doing this in somehow in conjunction with the Disaster Artist coming out. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm just editing all the time, really, um, at paste, uh, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure where my life is going to go next. I've been questioning that <laughs> lately. Same. <laughs> Literally same. <laughs> um, but, you know, just chilling. Trying to get the house together very, very slowly. Yeah. Home ownership it takes, home. it somehow takes forever to buy all the things you need from Home Depot and just feel like you actually live in your house i mean it took us months and months to even like to put up our posters and our photos and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. that took just i can't even remember it might have been even a year before we like put up our concert posters on the walls somehow it just takes forever to get situated oh yeah and i mean it's like you gotta like yeah you gotta paint first it's my wife my wife refuses to put anything up on the walls until we've painted everything so yeah that's wise we did no painting I like painting, but it's a pain in the ass. Yes, we're doing the f- the f- the baseboards, and it's just like you gotta sand everything. Uh, like it's you gotta like sand every speck of glossy something off of it. It's such a fucking pain in the ass. I I I kind of hate it. And oh, so man. of course, because of that hate, we're putting it off, and it's taking for fucking ever. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, before we go, I want to ask you one question. Yeah. Uh, about Halloween. Um. Do you think that uh, the 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 mass of of trick or treaters in your average American urban neighborhood is decreasing? Because I've noticed lately that there. Do you guys get a lot of trick or treaters? No, we really don't. You don't. We didn't at the old house we live in. Uh, I was just talking to somebody at work. He lives in like a very suburban area uh, in Beaverton. He barely gets any trick or treaters. Huh. I'm somehow I'm I'm wondering. I, I wish I could come up with some sort of theory as to why this is. But I remember going out as a trick or treater as a kid, and it just being like herds of people. Yeah, we went. I mean, I went my whole childhood with all my best friends, and we went out as a, a posse, like really even through high school, because I love candy. And I was telling them like when we were sixteen or whatever. No, we could totally still right go get candy. I don't. I I wonder if there's just a general decline. Yeah. Maybe it's Portland. I don't know, but I don't feel like why that would be a reason. I bet there's like a Time magazine article with some weird study talking about this phenomenon. There was. I recently saw an article that said that you should watch out for um, 
kids or for people passing out edibles, uh-huh. candy edibles. And my first thought was, uh, if I had edibles, I would not be fucking passing them out I mean, for free to right, anybody. Right. No, <laughs> like, I, I heard, I heard about l- that. Let alone that it would be like, that would be just callousness to oh, the sure. um, umpteenth degree to pass these out to kids. But also it's just like, those things aren't it's, cheap. It's literally, I mean, the thing about putting out that kind of headline, just because like edibles, ed- candy edibles exist, you know, like this is literally something that's never happened. Right. Like there's been no reported case of this. It's like, it's, ever like, happening. A, it's like a razor blade in an apple. Or, you know, or someone poisoning Tootsie Rolls or some shit. Right. Who Which would, is who probably, would do, no probably one more would do likely. That. Yeah, yeah, right. That's more likely than people passing out yeah. edibles. Just yeah, to I don't know. It's just, it's just like one of these. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember they would say like, yeah, don't take things that are unpackaged, mm-hmm. uh, which seems like a sensible thing to do. So if you abide by that rule, then you probably won't get any candy with drugs in it. You know, <laughs> just make sure you got your Snickers bar all wrapped up. Unless you want candy with drugs in it. Yeah, well, and, you know, be a grown-up and go to the store. <laughs> exactly. Um, should we do one last fake beer sponsor? We never got that beer sponsor. We didn't. Yeah. We, all, we got close one time, uh, but we were not uh, yeah. handy enough in our let's, negotiations. Let's do one more. I want to shout out our email again, which is prettylittlegrownmen at Gmail. I'm on Twitter, David E. Greenwald. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Cynicolad. And you can find us and continue to keep up with us. And uh, I do another personal email newsletter that I was sending out once a week. I'm a couple weeks behind, but you can just find that on my website, mm-hmm. which is rockblog, R-A-W-K blog.com. Okay, enough promo. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, Tom? Well, we, we got a uh, shout out to Phil Nelson, who yes. um, did our theme song and also does our fake beer sponsor jingle, which you can hear right now. That was beautiful. Thank you, Phil Nelson. Nelson, Phil Nelson, uh, for doing the music for this show. Uh, we yeah. hope you've enjoyed it as our theme song. We've been encouraging him to put it up on SoundCloud or something. Sell it on iTunes. Yeah. Um. Yes, uh, so I am uh, drinking a Citrus Mistress from Hop Valley, a brewery out of Eugene. I have a feeling I've probably had it on the podcast before, as with many beers that I've drank. Drunk, drink, drunk, drank. Okay, and um, uh, it's it's a pretty cheap go-to. I I I feel like it's usually on sale at Fred Meyer, so I like it. It's got, uh, it's hoppy, but it's also got a little bit of a citrus kick to it, and it's, uh, which is good because I like IPAs that aren't too malty, and this isn't. So thank you, Hop Valley. You are a good beer to have on our last episode. And I am drinking an Oakshire Sunmade Cucumber Berliner Weiss, which I've definitely had before. I was drinking their uh, raspberry Berliner Weiss for like weeks and weeks on this podcast, like all summer I was cranking through it. Mm -hmm. So we had literally one can of these left in the fridge that's been sitting there for a while and it was very tasty, but now summer beer season is over and we can move into the dark beers for winter. Um, so, uh, thanks. Thanks all the beers that we've drank. Yes. Uh, You were good beers. You got us through these, this last couple seasons of pretty little liars. (laughs) Yeah. We We, needed you and you did well. Um, so I guess that's it, Dave. Yeah, Dom. Um, it was a good podcast.
It was. I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. I think we had good ideas about Pretty Little Liars. I, I agree. And Game of Thrones and other things that we talked about. Yeah, we did some music talk, some TV talk, some movie talk, some friend talk. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you have things that you would like to hear us talk about in the future, you can shoot us an email. Uh, and we'll be back in, in one form or another. But uh, we're going to put this podcast to rest now. And thank you again for being a listener. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hang on now. We have to do one final sign off. Do you want to do it? Yes. Rest in peace, bitches. I know what you're keeping for you.